0: Today I want to talk to you about the secret of greatness. The secret of greatness. Jesus is saying, if you want to become great, be a servant. If you want to become great, don't look for a title, but rather pick up a towel. Now when I came up here today, a lot of you thinking, is pastor going to be sweating and does he need to wipe his forehead down? No, this is actually part of my message. If you want to become great, it's not about your title, It's not about your accolades. It's actually about, listen, it's about picking up a towel. It's about being a servant. When I was in college, I worked for a gentleman. Matter of fact, I'll never forget this. This is interesting. I'd been a Christian one year. I got saved in 1987, 1988. I was in a prayer meeting. A man came up to me, says I was in prayer, and God spoke to me, and I'd like to offer you a job. He owned a furniture company, a great company. And I was a great businessman, I learned a lot, and was mentored by him for three years. And he had a heart for evangelism, he had a heart to see people come to Christ. He was very close to our pastor and and, and he was a successful businessman. He talked to our pastor and and, and he he had this heart to wanna buy trucks and to go into inner city housing developments and to be able to give back and to be able to serve and and to be able to preach and serve the community and underprivileged communities. And so he hired me. To be a furniture salesman, I was full-time in college. I was a furniture, he owned a rental company, uh, furniture rental, but also to help develop this evangelistic ministry where we would go into housing developments and we would give back. So that's what I did for three years. I developed, we had these elaborate trucks and we cut out the side of the trucks and they'd come down and we'd have stages and he'd buy Hundreds of bicycles, hundreds of bicycles. It was amazing. I mean, it was just like incredible. And and, and we would have 500, we'd have 1,000 people. And and so my my job was, is I was getting churches. We were in a church. It was a ministry out of the church. And yet, our job was to get churches involved. We did this all throughout the Gulf Coast. And I got to tell you, it was really, really easy for me to get people involved that wanted to share their testimony that wanted to sing, that wanted to preach, real easy, but it was difficult when I tried to get volunteers from churches that wanted to come set up. In other words, everybody wanted the microphone, but nobody wanted to set up the chairs. Do y'all see a, something happening here? As a matter of fact, it was so formative in my life as a young believer, and so I ended up a lot of the times I would be setting everything up. And again, we would get these people connected in churches. We started bus ministries. As a matter of fact, Pastor Doug Armont, one of his first jobs for a church, was a bus ministry out of the Melpamine Housing Development. It was one of the first places that we reached. As a matter of fact, right behind our St. Charles campus that's going to be opening next year. How many are all excited about our St. Charles campus? It's amazing. So, I would set up all these chairs, I would do all this stuff, and then I would be the one actually preaching as well and sharing my testimony and and giving the gospel message. God did something in my heart during those three years. And what he showed me was the importance of real ministry. Real ministry is not the platform, real ministry is setting up the chairs. A real ministry is picking up the towel. A Real ministry is serving people. I don't care if you're in the corporate world. Wherever it is that you are, God has called you first to be a servant. Pastor, is it wrong to desire to become great? Not according to Jesus as long as your motive is to be a servant. Everybody say servant. Today I want to talk to you about the secret of greatness. The secret of greatness according to to Jesus, I love what Mother Teresa said. She said it so well to gain your life, you must first lose it. To be strong, you must admit weakness. To get, you must give. To be exalted, you must first be humble. Here it is. The last shall be first and whoever wishes to become great must be a servant of all. Today, we're not talking about titles. Today, we're talking about towels. It's interesting, those of you in the corporate world, there was a management concept for many, many years, and it shifted the last 30, thank God, but it was kind of a top-down, autocratic, the boss, mentality, the boss and employees and We're going to tell you what to do. That started shifting about 30 years ago, three decades ago, and there was a shift where it became much more of a servant leadership concept. Yes, you had people in charge, but I'm not the boss. I'm, I'm really, I'm really your coach to help coach you how you can succeed. In other words, my job is not you serve me. My job is me serve you. It was a shift. It was a shift in the corporate culture. It's a shift in the academic world. It's a shift in in many sectors of society. Matter of fact, but it goes all the way back to the Jesus principle. Jesus says, if you desire to become great, be a servant. To empower those that you lead, to to empower, to equip those that you're leading. Today, I want to talk to you about the quintessential servant leader. I want to talk to you about Jesus, the Jesus way, how Jesus modeled this to his disciples. The back story is John chapter 13. On Thursday, it was Passover. It was the eve of Passover. Jesus was in Jerusalem with his disciples The imminence of his crucifixion was at hand. Again, that night, Thursday night, he would be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and sold for 30 pieces of silver. And, of course, the trials and then the morning, Friday morning, Passover, be crucified. And yet Jesus was gathering with his disciples for what we now know called the Last Supper. It wasn't the only supper. It was the Last Supper. The last supper meant that there were previous suppers, there were previous breakfasts, there were previous lunches. Why? He lived with the disciples for three years. Jesus comes into this setting, he and his disciples, and and as they come in, they all come and they sit around a table. And it was strategically designed by Jesus because he knew his time was short. As we come on the scene, there is some real tension because... Something didn't happen that was customary in the time of Christ. Nobody was there to wash the feet of the disciples. Now you say, why is it that people would get their feet washed? Because, because people wore sandals. This is deep theology. And they walked in the dirt. And when people would come in the homes, they, they would often have the lowest of the servants, the lowest of the servants would pick up a towel and wash the feet the guests. Today, I want to talk to you about the scene, and I want to unpack some principles, because I believe that God's hand is upon every person's life, all those that are watching, all of our locations, those that are watching online, God wants you to be a difference maker. But what is the reason behind? what is the why behind that, and what is the why, what is the practical how-to? Five keys to the secret of greatness. We're going to go right through this account. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he had departed from him departing from this world to the Father, having loved his own. Who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus gathered his disciples in this moment, and it was Passover, and he sat down with them to have a meal. And the Bible says he loved his own, he loved those disciples. He would lived with them. He would walked with them. He taught them. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him deal with the lepers. They'd see, seen him deal with the, uh, the woman that was, that was bound in adultery and how he forgave and how he loved her and how he cared for her. He, he saw the, the ones that, that, that were needing food and multiplied the fish and the loaves. I mean, he saw, they saw everything. And now this moment this dynamic, powerful moment when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he teaches them a lesson. The Bible says he loved his own. There there are different words. My Bible's in English. Some that are watching in different places. Some are in Spanish. But the, the Bible is written, the original language, Hebrew in the Old Testament, and the New Testament is written in Greek. And there's several words for the word love. So if you see the word love in the New Testament, there's several words. One of the words, if you see the word love, sometimes it's the Greek word phileo. Can everybody say that with me? Can you say it? Phileo. The word phileo actually means this. It means means brotherly love. It's an emotional love. Matter of fact, There is a city in the United States, a very famous city, that is named after that Greek word. Does anybody know the name of the city? One, two, three. Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. That is a pervasive thought around the city unless you go to a football game. (laughs) Because they're not Christians, the fans. Okay, I'm joking, but those of you that know, they're very rowdy, they're, they're rowdy fans. The old football, I don't know how many of y'all know this, but the old football stadium in Philadelphia had a jail inside of it. How many of you know they need to memorize the word phileo? I think the new one, they don't have it anymore. Maybe they get more Christian, but anyway. So sometimes when you see the word love in the New Testament, you'll see it's the word phileo, but there's other times. There's other times when you see the word Love, it's translated agape. And the word agape, it's not brotherly love, but it's unconditional love. It's unselfish love. Hey, by the way, it's not the way the world loves. I'll love you, watch this, if. It's I love you in spite of your behavior. Wow. It's actually the God kind of love. The Bible says Jesus, here it is, Agape his disciples. He loved them. And he was teaching them and imparting into them, oh, he knew what was about to happen, and they had to carry this spirit. It's not about titles, but it's about a towel. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 let each of you look out not for your own interests, but also for the interests. Of others. We are called to serve others with a pure motive, the motive of love. Difference makers understand motive, and their motive is a motive of love. Love, agape love, it doesn't stay neutral. Agape love, it kicks you into gear, it kicks you into action. It, 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 it causes you to reach out beyond yourself. You realize somebody that's filled with agape love, they realize that life, life is much more than just their existential needs. But there's an assignment on somebody walking in the agape love of God called others. Yeah. I think of Florence Nightingale, who was a woman of prominence. And why did she leave all of that to go serve others? The result of that is modern nursing today really the founder of that. I think of Hudson Taylor, who was a prominent Britishman from an affluent family, very wealthy. Why, why would he leave all of the wealth and prominence and prestige of his family to leave that, to go to China to preach the gospel, to leave all that? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because he was, he was constrained by love, the motive of love. It wasn't about titles. It's not about titles. It's about towels. I think of J.C. How many have ever shopped at J.C. Penney before? Come on, raise your hand. How many? How many know who J.C. Penney is or was? He was an incredible Christian businessman. wasn't always that way. Went through the Great Depression, lost everything. When he came out of that, he was he was so convicted. He was so called by God. God had so worked in his heart. He realized that God gave him gifts and talents and abilities to generate wealth. But it wasn't for him. It was, it was, it was to be able to advance his kingdom. And he loved his employees. And, and he loved the people that came in. You have to read the story of J.C. Penny. And he talked about being moved by the love of God. Having loved his own secret to greatness, number one, is the motive of love. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be great, but it's not about us. It's about loving people, serving people, lifting, lifting people. Number two, the second thing that I see here. Look at verse four. Jesus rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. I, I've never seen this until this week. It's interesting. I've read this. I've preached on this, but he rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, you know, when you go into the kitchen, I'm not a cook, but when you go into the kitchen, <clears throat> some of you that are, you, you often put something over your garment that that is that is tailor made for what you're about to do. It's called an apron. Uh, matter of fact, somebody got me some years ago when I was going to barbecue. I'm not a great barbecuer. I don't know if that's a word, but they did get me the boss of the sauce. You remember that? Yeah, right. So so you you put that on because you're getting ready to step into an activity and you watch this. You dress for the occasion. Servants had particular clothes in the time of Christ. Jesus took off his garment that would bespeak of him being a teacher and a rabbi and he put on the servant's garment everybody's looking go okay wait a minute what's getting ready to happen here time out time out Jesus wait a minute the Passover is coming what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing Jesus got up from the table in this momentous night and he stepped aside and he moved towards he moved towards a bowl with water and a towel all the disciples, I'm sure there was a lot of discussion in that moment when they began to look at one another. No, 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 go get him. Somebody grab him. Get him back at the table. Wait, time out. Wait, wait, wait. Peter, that was you're supposed to do something. Nate, you're supposed to do something. And wait, you're supposed to wait, wait, time out. Where is he going? Jesus was not in the titles, but he was about to pick up a towel. The model of security, people people that are secure in themselves actually can give themselves away. It's the insecure that can't give themselves away. It's the insecure because if I do this, I, people may think less of me. If I do this, somebody said this one time. I heard a preacher say this. How do you know if you're really a servant? It's how you act when you're treated like one. And here is Jesus. He's walking over, and he's picking up a towel. He, he kneels down, and he picks up a towel, and he starts putting water on the towel. And, and all the people are going, what is he doing? What is he doing? Why is he doing that? The secure the secure are into towels. The insecure are into titles. Pastor, is it wrong to have a title? No, nothing wrong to have a title. But don't let your identity be in your title. Let your identity be in the towel. In a towel. <laughs> Only insecure people can't serve others. I love what Norman Cousins says. He says people are never more insecure than when they become obsessed with their fears at the expense of their dreams. When you're insecure, what are people going to think about me if I do this? I mean, I mean, I want to be pristine. I want to be no. I want to see being preeminent. Uh, but but what if I do this? I'm kind of stepping down. Yeah, but the way the kingdom is if you step down then God lifts you up. The way the kingdom is if you give then you receive. The way of the, it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. I want to be exalted, well then you got to humble yourself. Yeah. Servant leadership. You ever wonder why somebody and I say this very pastorally in respect, you ever wonder why somebody's extremely self-centered? Often it's because there's such deep wounds in their heart. By the way, when you come to Christ, all of us have Bobos. Isn't that right? Our hearts are messed up. We've got you know, emotionally our minds and all this. But the goal is as you become a Christian, you're transforming your heart. But then there's an outworking your mind and your will and your emotions. And, and, and you ought to. That's the principle of growing in Christ. We ought to grow into a place of security, into a place of wholeness. Now, we're not perfect until you get to heaven, but but there is a process. You go from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. And here's the point you ought to come to a place where you're, you're not where you used to be, you're not where you want to be, because the more whole you get, you actually can give more of yourself away. Does this make sense? It's the purpose the purpose of being healed is not to say I'm healed the purpose of being healed is to find a place of security where you can pick up a towel Where you can pick up a towel people that are self-centered are broken internally they're not whole yeah the model of security Number three, the mandate of initiative. Look at verse five. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Look at that. The mandate of initiative. Jesus met practical needs. Sometimes we have to remember there's the spiritual, but there's also the practical. I'll pray for you, brother. Thank you, but I also need you to help me with my car. <laughs> Did that make sense? <laughs> hey, brother, I'm going to pray for you. And listen, we need prayer. We all need prayer, and I need prayer. But, but there's the spiritual, and then there's the practical. And by the way, sometimes the practical is very Spiritual. So Jesus didn't just say to the people, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." He actually went and did something about it. Now, what's interesting about this is, is that we don't know. The Bible does not tell us why the servant didn't wash the feet. There was no advanced sidewalk, sidewalk systems. There was, there was, there was no Tammany trace for our little Creek campus. There was no, you know, there was no elaborate, you know, uh, you know black topped surfaces that people... No, no, no. It's, it's people wearing sandals. Matter of fact, if you go to Israel today, you'll see some of the shepherds in the Judean mountains. They're Bedouins. They still wear sandals. It's like, my gosh, it's the time of Christ. And, it, and it's not because it's like it's a play. It's, it's, it's not Dolly World, okay? This is like real stuff. It's not Branson. It's like really shepherds out there wearing, wearing sandals, and their feet get dirty. Pastor, why is it important that the people's feet were washed? For meals in the time of Christ. Why is that? I'll tell you why. You guys ever see the tables? They have tables and they were low. And they didn't use chairs often. And what you would do is you'd lean back. And guess what you would do? You would see the feet of those across. How many of you know it can turn your stomach if you see dirty feet? <laughs> I mean feet are a big deal when it comes to your appetite. Matter of fact, I have a friend when I was in high school. He had a 17 shoe. Like, it was massive. So we'd go out to eat, and it was like, we always try to avoid sitting close to him. Because it was like you sat close to him, it's like he had a consistent water ski on his foot. And it was like, Wah, you know, to, you know. So, so the point is, the point is, look, if you sat close to him, his foot would somehow get in the way, and you'd get aggravated. In the same way, the reason why they would wash the feet of the people when they came in is so that when they would lean back and eat, you wouldn't look at a dirty foot. Jesus met practical needs. The mandate of initiative. Somebody's got to take the towel. Somebody had to do the practical. And he goes over there. And he kneels down. And they're like, no, not him. And he takes the towel. And he starts washing the feet of the disciples. He's doing the job of the lowest of servants, the Son of God. Wow. Greatness is not about titles. It's about towels. The Bible is so clear here when he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. There was, I'm sure, an interesting response from the disciples. We're about to see Peter's. I, I think about the different people in my life that I've seen, I've been inspired by, and That are truly humble. Pastor Tommy Barnett, he's preached here a number of times. I love him. He's 85, I think 86 now, and I was with him last year. And the founder, he and his son, the Los Angeles Dream Center, they'll pray for you, but they're also, they they do practical things as well. If you ever have an opportunity, I preached out there. About three months ago, it's incredible. They have 900 people living in a hospital that they bought and, and, and people getting off drugs and addiction and, 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 and caring for people. How many I believe it's the will of God for churches to do something on a practical level? And that's why, that's why we do what we do and that's why we're going to do a whole lot more of what we do. The mandate of initiative. What does God, listen. Even as I'm speaking right now, who are you thinking about in your family, in your church, in your workplace? That God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want you to handle that. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered, said to him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. You will after this. Peter said, uh-uh, you're never going to wash my feet. Always leave it to Peter to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I relate to John. I relate to Peter. <laughs> Number four, the moment of risk. There is a moment every time you step out and begin to serve people that the, reci- the recipient of your service They may not be, well, they may not be willing to receive it. And you've got to make a decision that are you serving people for the response or are you serving people based upon what God's called you to do? But if you gauge your service based upon people's responses, guess what? Serving often will be short-lived because not everybody responds appropriately when you pick up the towel and start serving. Well, pastor, I you know you preach one of those big serving messages. I signed up for the dream team. I was a greeter, and it's amazing. My first Sunday, I was a little anxious. I got there a little bit early, you know. We're kind of praying and eat donuts, whatever. And so, and, and the first person came in, and I waved to him. I said, "Welcome to church." And it was amazing. And they and they waved back to me, pastor. It was awesome. I felt special. I made them feel special. The second one, I waved to them, and they high-fived me, Pastor. It was amazing. The third person came in. They looked away, and they, and they, and they frowned upon me. Now, I do realize they were only four years old, but it still hurt my feelings. <laughs> Pastor, I was on the parking team. Man, it was amazing. We went out there. We were high-fiving. We're driving those little carts around. By the way, there's no governor on those carts. They go fast. And, and, and I pointed this person. At, I felt like I was at the airport. I was landing planes. It was amazing. I was like. And I did like this. And the guy went the other spot. He went to the other direction, I felt. And then the next guy, he, he kind of raised his hand. I don't know what the hand motion was. Maybe it was praise the Lord. I'm not sure, but it looked like he had a frown when he did it. And then it started raining, Pastor. I feel called to a different ministry. <laughs> If our serving is based upon the recipients, wow. You're not washing my feet. No way. So Peter said. Well, there comes a moment when you've got to risk it. And by the way, it hurts. It hurts. You ever, like, prepared something and want to give a gift? Or you're showing up at somebody's house or doing something, caring for people? And not only do they not appreciate it, but they kind of like reject it. What was Jesus, question, what was Jesus after in Peter's heart? What was he after? Look at verse 8. Jesus said, well, here it is, Pete. If I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. Whoa. In other words, if you don't let me wash your feet, in other words, if you don't receive from me, then you, you don't have a part. You don't have a part. Wow. Peter, quick learner. Lord, not my feet only, but how about my hands and my head? Let me put it in the washable. <laughs> put it on there, just like in a hairdresser play. Just put it on there. I will give it to him. He said a lot, and he said things quick. What was Jesus after? Let me do what I call theologically conjecturing. Here's what I think he was after. You know what he was after? He was after the pride in Peter's heart. And let me tell you why. Look right here. Let me tell you why. Because if you give and you've not received, then when you give, you'll do it in pride. See, if you've received, if you're walking down the street, somebody gives you $20, like, well, okay, that was cool. And then somebody asks you for $20 a minute later, it's easy to give something away if you just received it. See, what happens is when we give in life, we think, well, you know, those people, you know, and after all, I'm doing this. No, no, no. Receiving actually humbles you and it positions you, Peter, to actually, to actually give to people and not take credit for it. Because what you realize is, if, you, if I wash your feet, Peter, I'm going to call you, I'm going to die, and yes, I'm going to be resurrected, but then I'm going to ascend, and, and you're going to be there, you're going to see the whole thing, But, but if I call you to be an apostle, and 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 you give to people before you receive from me, you're gonna take pride in that giving. You ever been around somebody that does that? Wow. But if you receive from me, it hum by the way, isn't it? Doesn't it humble you when somebody serves you? It humbles you. Yeah. Yeah. Freely you have what? Say it? Receive. Freely you should what? Say it? Give. Peter he let Jesus wash his feet. Number 4 the moment of risk, number 5. The miracle of example. Look at this, verses 12 through 17. Are y'all learn anything today? Is this helping anybody? Good. Why what was the point of this? Remember, this is the last supper. We know it's the last supper now. They didn't know it was the last supper. Remember John the Baptist when he saw Jesus at the Jordan? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Guess what? The next morning, guess what? Jesus was going to practically be the Lamb of God and be crucified on Passover. They didn't know that. I mean, they kind of, but not really. They thought it was going to happen. They knew it was going to come. But really, what was this about? Jesus knew his time was short, and he had to get this message deep in their hearts was going away and if they didn't get this they would have fallen in love with titles and he was trying to get them to fall in love with the towel yeah. so when he had washed their feet taken his garments and sat down again he said to them do you know what I have done to you I'm sure they were crying Matter of fact, Coach Tom Mullins, I've talked about him last week. I don't mean to keep bringing him up. The first time he came and preached and did our staff meeting, this was crazy. 70 years old at the time. 10 years ago, maybe 60, I don't know, late 60s. And first thing he did, I didn't know this was, I did not even know this was going to happen. Get up, he gets up to preach to our staff and a couple hundred people and, and, and he asked me up on the platform And he asked me to take off my shoes and starts washing my feet. I'm like, okay, this is not happening. You want to get real humbled? Let somebody wash your feet. Yeah. I'm crying. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the tears that were flowing in that room? Can you imagine? They're crying. They're going, before that, before that, was like, who's going to sit on the right hand? Now it's like, oh, God. oh Jesus. That's what Jesus said. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said, do you know what I've done? You call me teacher, Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sends, who is sent. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, if you know these things, not just cognitively connecting with, if you know these things, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Blessed are you if you do these things not just biblical knowledge, but it's biblical application. The miracle of example. Look right here. Something miraculous happened to those disciples. They they, they caught a spirit. By the way, by the way, you can, something is taught and something is caught. Both happened in this moment. It wasn't just teaching, but it was impartation. They saw their master. No one's greater than the master. No one's greater than this rabbi, this teacher, the Messiah who's dying for it. No one's greater. They, they, Something was injected into them. And by the way, it was contagious. Have you ever been on a camping trip with some people and you're cleaning up afterwards and maybe there's four or five dads. We've been on trips before and, and somebody comes, watch this, somebody comes over and helps you put your tent up. Let me tell you what the response that you have is. Here it is. You want to help them, but no, let me help you. Let me, in other words, in other words, serving is contagious. It, it, it gets on you. It just kind of like, wow, I just in other words, it's like you go to a marriage conference, a marriage retreat, or a pastor teaches on marriage, and you go home and the wife serving the the husband, the husband's serving the wife, and the kids are going, what happened to y'all? <laughs> like this is like another level. Why? Because serving is contagious. You know when miracles happen in a church? You know when miracles happen in a home? You know when miracles happen in a business? You know when miracles happen in a church, in a community? It's when the spirit of the towel gets in there. Miracles start happening. Miracles. By the way, God designed you neurologically, biologically, psychologically to actually release serotonin and good endorphins in your body when you serve. It's it's more blessed to what? Say it give than to what say it receive because it releases something spiritually mentally emotionally and biologically in your body when you serve it's contagious you get a church that's what I love I, I'm so proud of our church you guys last um, in May at the end of April 2,000 people had red shirts on around all of our locations I think 80 projects 6,000 hours on serve day can we give the Lord a hand clap for that that's you guys by the way by the way I'm closing with: We don't do serve day, just we're going to serve one day. That's not the point. The point is we serve that day together as a team so that that spirit gets on you the next day and the next day and the next day. About to go away, guys, he says. Blessed are you not just hearing, but doing. When, a, when, a, when an individual, when a couple, when a family, when a church, when a nation, when a business picks up the, picks up the towel. Blessed are you if you do it. Jesus is not in the titles. It's not about a title. Nothing wrong with the title, but your identity can't be in a title. It's got to be in a towel. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. Just sense the Holy Spirit, every one of our locations. It's going to take literally, I've got one minute left. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray with you. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I tell you, you can His name is Jesus. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He died for you. He laid down his life for you. He was barren. He rose again on the third day for you. To forgive you, to cleanse you, to make you new. Those that are joining online as well, in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to let your host know. Christ is done in your heart. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can say, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you as well. Right there, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you, son. Right there. Anybody else? God bless you and you and you as well. Yeah, God bless you, my friend. God loves you. He cares about you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you up top right there. Yeah, it's awesome. God bless you, sir. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that right now at every one of our locations, those that are joining us online as well? Well, Let's pray together as a church with those that are trusting Jesus. Most important prayer to ever pray right here. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people.
1: Man, what a powerful message. And hey, if you're out there right now and you just made the decision to give your life to Christ for the very first time, we wanna say congratulations. This is the best moment of your life. You are loved, you are known by our Father in heaven and we are so excited for you. And if I could share two pieces of advice from my own personal experience and things I've seen other people walk through, every new believer needs two things. They need the right resources and they need the right people. We need the right resources, a good reading plan, a journal to to keep a log of things God's spoken to us. You need the right resources to help you as you walk out this journey. You also need the right people, people to hold you accountable, to encourage you to walk alongside you arm in arm as you follow Jesus together. And we, as your church family, would love to provide you with both of those things. There's a link on the screen or in the chat room. If you click that, let us know you made that decision today and we will be so honored to follow up with you. Yes, we are celebrating with you right now. We are so excited for you. You are a new creation. And let me just encourage you, keep showing up, keep coming back, lean into all that God has for you, lean into the family that God has for you, because I believe that he's going to do some amazing things in your life. Come on, that is so good, Gabby. And it's so true. And we really are just so excited and overjoyed to have you in church with us. To everyone out there, we just want to say thank you again for joining us. And make sure you are here next week as we have church again together, same time. Same place. Have a great See you week. next week.